Hi everyone, Ollie here again. Just to let you know that we are doing this in two parts, and this is part two. We did part one the other day. Hopefully you've listened. If you haven't, then please go back and listen. You'll hear Katie Liu and Vicky talking about all things Disney. But in this second part of the Disney episode, we have a veritable real-life Disney princess in the extremely talented and wonderfully eloquent Lauren Van Kempen talking to us about her career and all things Disney. And then in our final section, we have the Wemmick Loves question for this month, which is your favourite Disney princesses. Um, So yeah, have a listen. Hope you enjoy it. And yeah, it's been all things Disney, and I hope you enjoy this bumper edition of the podcast. On with the show. We are delighted to be joined uh, by Lauren Van Kempen today, who I understand is a singer, actress, and a vocal coach. And you also dabble in uh, being a cellist as well. It's not so much dabbling as um, kind of my first career, which then was replaced with a lot more singing, which is is lovely. But both both matter. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're off to a riotous start there. I've got it entirely wrong. So I, <laughs> I will stick with that. But anyway, Lauren, we know you primarily through the work in workshops uh, with Disney in particular. And we're very glad that you've taken some time out of your busy schedule uh, across all your different skill sets and um, also your impending uh, motherhood status as well. <laughs> yes. Well, my pleasure. I'm so thrilled to, to be having a moment to chat with you guys. Yeah, I'm just so excited because I haven't seen you since 2019 in Disney. So I am very pleased to see you today. (laughs) Oh, well, vice versa. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we'll just get started with the first question. Tell us about your career, um, how you got started, your personal highlights, what's next, anything you want to share with us. We're all ears. All right. Well, buckle up because it'll, it'll only be a few hours to get through my whole <laughs> Fantastic. Born in January, 1987 <laughs> to a musical family in Seattle, Washington. Uh, no, that is true though. My family is super musical. I grew up doing music with my grandpa and my mother, who's a violinist. And uh, she's also a conductor and a teacher. And my dad is a musical theater director, a tenor, uh, a tap dancer, and uh, he was also a teacher. So I grew up really in the in musical theater and in classical music. That was definitely how all that started. So I started playing the violin when I was three and then hated the violin because my brother got to keep the violin in his room. And then I started playing the piano, which I also was really bad at. And as you guys, whomever has been to my workshops can attest that I am not a wonderful pianist, but you know, much to much to my my teachers and my mother's chagrin, I can plunk out a, a baseline. Um, no, so I, I I really wanted to do musical theater when I was growing up, and my father told me that as I was not a strong enough singer, actress, or dancer, it just wasn't going to happen. So I should focus on the cello. So I went out for a cello performance and actually went out uh, wound up doing a cello and opera performance degree at my university in uh, in Washington state. And then I moved to France like pretty much right after that and 
pursued chamber music. So my first career and my first love is really chamber music. I had a string quartet and a piano trio, and I did that until I had paper problems in France. We'll skip that and move forward. And then I kind of went out and I started doing musical theater in France. And that kind of also went hand in hand with meeting a whole bunch of uh, different Americans and people that had a really similar background to me. So conservatory degrees, uh, being in France, being American, having musical theater and just kind of our entire, you know, pedagogical background nourishing our careers. So that also meant that I started coaching a lot. I started teaching a lot. And so, you know, the long, long story short is now I kind of split my time on stage. Um, and then on stage, I have productions that I'm a part of, and then also productions that I produce myself. So I have a company called Atlantic Theater Arts, and we have a whole bunch of different concert series and uh, different shows. I have a group um, that's dedicated to the Andrew sisters with two other lovely American ladies. We're called Les Jingle Bell. And we have a Christmas show and we also have a 1940s uh, swing jazz show that we do. Um, and then on the other side, I do a lot of coaching. So I teach a lot of voice lessons. I, I'm a musical theater and vocal coach out at Disneyland in Paris. I coach um, acting in English for a lot of French people <laughs> and, um, and, you know, just have that kind of balance of, of sharing, basically the generosity of being, uh, in my opinion, what a quote unquote true artist is, which is the generosity of, of being able to be on stage, but then also being able to share uh, the knowledge that I've accrued over my, over my long, long, long um, time of training in music. So that's that's kind of what I'm that's what I'm doing. It's amazing, yeah. I think it, it it's just uh, such a long list, and I'm sure you've edited it down for the purposes of the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, the generosity is definitely a buzzword that um, we we use whenever we speak about you and our experiences with you at Disney or with workshops. It's just everyone gets so much out of working with you, and uh, I think that's a, a very a very solid way of putting it. So we're very excited about uh, that generosity continuing. Um, I guess for me, the next question, you've already sort of like tapped into it a little bit, but seeing as this is a musical theater discussion, what is it like being an American in Paris? Um, lots of good wine, excellent mm -hmm. quality of life. Um, but I mean, like in sp uh, musical theater in France is very, it's a very interesting thing. The French people love musical theater, but they also hate anyone that does actual musical theater, so it would seem. So the culture of, of, of American musical theater, like the West End, the West End style, Broadway style, um, that just isn't really something that exists here. They they try to do it, but you know, they have to translate it into French. Um, and then a lot of things just kind of get lost in translation, but it's mm -hmm. also has a lot to do with the training. Uh, but that being said, there are a thousand musical theater schools that are all dedicated to the quote unquote American musical theater training style. Um, but they do it in a very French way, <laughs> which yeah. it's not, I don't mean it, I, I don't want to be mean, um, but it's just is the way that they do it and their mentality is a very, very different way of learning or education than we have in the in the States. 
I'd say that Les Miserables didn't even work in France, did it? In the original Ooh. French. Um, so I think that's a good a good litmus test. And then, well, um, or even I have I have friends that are on you know major tours for like the European tour of Cats, for example. It does not come to France. It doesn't come mm. to Paris because no one will go because mm. it's in English, and people are like, why would I? Why would I go to that? Um, I so. was familiar with uh, Notre Dame de Paris. Uh, back in like late 90s and I saw that in France and it was fantastic and I enjoyed it and it had some success definitely but it tried to come over to England on the West End sunk like a stone and it was with like most of the original cast because they were mostly Canadians they could speak yeah. and sing in French and English um, and it's a very strange dynamic and um, where it just doesn't seem to resonate quite as much um, for, compared to you know Germany and Italy they, they're much yeah. better on musical or even as well even Greece. I went and did, mm. I was teaching out in, in Athens for two weeks with a musical theater school and, and did my one woman show over there. And there were a ton, they have their own little West End thing happening over there. They had a ton of different shows up. Here we have the producers, which is translated and people are like really offended. And they, you know, it's like quote unquote, the original staging. Um, and I haven't unfortunately been able to go see it yet but I know that it's it's something that has, it's working and also not working at the same time. The reviews are really like, this is shocking. You can't believe that this is there. And I'm like, go see Book of Mormon. And then, and then- Come back like, to me, yeah. yeah. And then call me. But the the musical theater or like the a French musical, so Notre Dame de Paris, or they have um, Star Mania, or they have uh, Romeo and Juliet. They're not actual musical theater pieces. It's more like a rock opera. Mm. Um, and there's not a lot of storytelling. So that's just where they are. But for me being an American in Paris, it is, it's wonderful because I can exploit the niche of being an American performing artist. So that means I get to do a lot of really, I've, got, I've gotten to do really great um, projects at the Théâtre du Châtelet or at the Opéra de Toulon um, or at the, the Opera in, in Luxembourg um, because they're doing full on big splashy productions of of Broadway, American style Broadway musicals. Um, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a, a bit of, a bit of a hit and miss uh, in Paris. Like there isn't really that vibrant theater scene that we wish we could have. But that's also something that I'm currently working toward uh, with other colleagues here is trying to hopefully get a little bit of the actual American musical theater flair here in Paris. That would be so exciting. Keep us informed yeah. about that one. Um, <laughs> the producers, uh, that's kind of a weird one to have on in France. Like it's not my first choice in terms I, of what the story is. <laughs> right now they have they have the Lion King, which they've already done, which was successful. Mm. But past those, that they, there's basically one theater, it's called Dead Mogador, and they've done, um, they did Grease, which worked, Beauty and the Beast. They did Ghost, which did not work. What else did they do? They did Chicago, which kind of worked. I mean, like you would think that like, even if you say, oh, oh, they did Cats, which also kind of worked, um, but not really because people just don't really, they're kind of like, what, what is this? <laughs> Why am I yeah. going to see they're, this? They're not quite sold in the Lloyd Webber take on that. Idea, <laughs> I don't know, it's crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we also wanted to just ask, because obviously an American in Paris is a musical as well. Mm. Um, have you seen the show and what do you think? Because I, when it was in, in London, I was so excited. I saw it twice. It was beautiful. I just loved it all. So keen to know if you've seen it and what you think. 
I didn't get to see it, but I was here when it was being created because it was created at the Tatu Chatelet, which unfortunately now they are no longer doing musical theater, mm-hmm. um, which is sad. But it was, I mean, I heard that it was absolutely beautiful and brilliant. The only thing with a lot of the, the shows that are created here is they do have a tendency to bring over West End performers. Um, and then so people that are you know, living in Paris where we have kind of either bit roles or uh, or squeezed out of the productions. But I I mean, I would have loved to see it. I, I heard it was absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's touring in Australia right now. And I'm, I follow them on Instagram clearly. But yeah, it's just it's so nice to see like all the snapshots from the different performances that they're doing. It's beautiful. Yeah. I highly recommend anybody, um, if you get a chance, go see it. <laughs> yes. Well, that's like my favorite style. I love the traditional, very, you know, golden age mm-hmm. uh, musical theater. It really brings you into a totally different, a different world. Yep. No, it's wonderful. For our next question, um, we love that you are so engaged with Western Musical Choir and support us. Um, I'd love to know why it's so important to you to be doing that. Well, I had the joy of meeting you guys in, I guess it was 2019, the first time at Disney or no, 2018. Um, there was the, the Let's Sing Christmas was 2018, but then there was the performance like the year before in the summer. Um as well but yeah I don't let's think, sing christmas I think I, was 2018 first time it was let's sing christmas in 2018 and i just thought you guys were so incredible i mean you guys are so amazing you're so passionate you're so welcoming you guys have always been up for anything and you know when the first time i worked with you guys at disney we only had like an hour and a half together and then our time on stage but you guys were just so full of joy and who doesn't love that uh, and then following that being able to come out and uh, and do workshops with you guys in London and then having you guys come back to Disney and kind of coming full circle multiple times, uh, you know, with our, even with our little lapse of time with the, the whole COVID situation. It's just been so lovely to, to, see, to see your guys' development and to follow what you guys are doing. And I think that for me, in any case, the West End Musical Choir really embodies my philosophy as an artist, which is that you guys have generosity of spirit on stage, but also in the rehearsal room. Uh, And I think that something that you guys definitely experienced, I know that you guys were able to continue uh, rehearsing and making music and connecting during COVID. And I think that that's what it's all about. Music is all about human connection. And it's so important for me to support a group that is clearly dedicated to making sure that that connection continues on now more than ever, especially since we're in, uh, you know, in, in a world of, of technology and Zoom podcast meetings, which are lovely, but, you know, it's, there's nothing like getting into a room with people that are full of joy and excited about making music together. And that's what you guys are to me. So obviously I'm going to support you till the, till the day I die. Oh, so lovely to hear it. Thank you. And you're right. I mean, I've, I've been virtual for two years, but I've been to my first uh, WEMEC rehearsals last week and this week uh, back in person again. And yeah, it's just something about it, right? Yeah. So good. <laughs> and the last time I was there in April, we did, uh, we did come to come, come to my garden and we did uh, be our guest and we just had so much fun. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just nothing like it. I, I think the whole workshop was, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we started at like 11 and ended at four, but I could have gone all day. I just had so yeah. much fun and you guys did everything. And every single time I've ever worked with you, you guys have always just done. We trust what you. I, <laughs> done, but, but it's so, it's so fun and it's so rewarding, especially as 
you know, on the other side is that I can just ask you to do whatever and you do it and you do it well. And that's just, you know, it's wonderful to the point of now where I work with other choirs, I'm like, why aren't they doing, why aren't they doing what the way, <laughs> why are they doing what the Western Musical Choir did? Because that doesn't make any sense. I'm doing exactly the same thing. Why aren't they giving me what I want? That is very good <laughs> you guys to hear. Spoiled me. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to hear. And I'm glad to hear that you're not abusing your position of power and sort of like uh, domination there for us. So we just say yes, it's very, it's very good. And I think it just uh, allows us to, you know, push a load of comfort boundaries because the vast majority of people in choir, this is in no way their, their day job or their main thing. They, um, they're doing it as a, as a passion project away from that. And when you're suddenly trying to sort of like push out um, being a Christmas Sprite or, um, <laughs> you know, trying to imagine what it would be like to be uh, a piece of cutlery whilst moving around and be our guest or, or a French waiter. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's great. And I think saying yes to one another and, and to you and uh, it's been very enjoyable. I think the workshops I've been doing with you in person uh, the last few months been very fortunate and yeah it feels like I've I've improved enormously off the back of it so yeah it's good to hear that we're a good group to work with so I appreciate that absolutely when I can't wait to work with you guys more and again which leads us into the next question so you've already ha answered about half of it but the other half um uh so what do you enjoy most about working with us you've answered um but what would you love to do with us next Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, well, none of this is planned. So not, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the, the thing which is interesting is every time I've come to work with you guys, there's always uh, there's I have my personal learning targets for you, uh, and you know those things are discussed also with you know with Charlie and uh, with the team to kind of see what what we want to really focus on. Um, but because you guys have always just risen to the occasion and have more than risen to the occasion, have completely accepted the challenge, said yes to the challenge and have just done, you know, done it, done it, done it. I would love for you guys to do a fully staged number. Um, that would be my, that, I think that would be so much fun because we've kind of, you know, we've gone through working on the choral sound. We've worked on, on the teamwork aspect. We've worked on a lot of different musical things, a lot of uh, vocal technique things. Uh, this last, uh, this last spring at Disney, we worked on, um, developing storytelling and character, building a character. And we did the same, we did a little bit of that same work, um, in, in April in London. And so I think honestly, especially seeing how the Be Our Guest went this last time, that you guys are, you guys are ready. You're ready to yeah. do a full stage number. And I, I can't, I think you guys would have so much fun, but we need to have, you know, a little bit, a, a little bit longer of a time to, to do that. But I think it'd be a blast and a half. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. That be, would uh, be amazing. Be our, be our Guest was hilarious. I'm, I'm... Yeah, I saw the video of that. I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, they're having yeah. so much fun. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Again. cardio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that that was like the that was the that was the show choir version. So you can imagine, uh, you know, we could have even more fun with that. Yeah, absolutely. That is a great goal, Charlie. Make it happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she assures me that she listens to this, so I'm sure we can just. She does. She notes, comments, so, yeah. and we're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> yay, yes. good. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the validation. <laughs> um. Fantastic. Um, I will move us on to the next question. Um, so it's sort of building a little bit on the, on the workshop in, in April. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's sort of along the lines of 
we love the focus on storytelling. I think for Come to My Garden, it sort of was really eye-opening to look at what was being said in the song through the lyrics Mm -hmm. and just basically work on that storytelling. And then obviously the show choir was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of energy. And I think more of that sunk in than anyone realized at the time about how to really sort of like push together with a bit of choreo and uh, and the singing. So Mm -hmm. I guess as we said, the West End Musical Choir is fundamentally um, a, a side project or passion project for, for people who are involved. So what are your top tips to help get performance ready, um, especially for those who are you know, members who are less experienced with performing, who haven't had the ex- awesome experience of working with you p- before? So I guess your top tips for getting uh, ready to perform Well, my first tip would be come to my next workshop. Um, And then after that, I would say, uh, think about the choices you guys are making. I think that something that, uh, and it's not just people that aren't professional singers, professional artists, every single person that I've ever worked with from kids to adults, from amateurs to really high level professionals, it's all about the choices that we're making. And I think that something that we all get bogged down on, bogged down in is, is, does it sound good? Is my voice sound pretty? Am I doing it right? Which are boring and also nothing you can really control. I like to tell all of my students, put things into two different columns. One of the things are the things that you can control and the other side are the things you can't control. So uh, does my voice sound pretty? Do you know, are they gonna like it? Did I do it right? I don't know, Those are, that's not quantifiable. I, I have no idea. But how about, do you know the rhythm? Do you know the melody? Do you know the text? Uh, Do you know that your musical director told you to breathe here and not there? And then once those choices are done, they're done. That homework is done. If you know your rhythm and you know your melody and you know your text, you know where you're breathing and you know that you're gonna look here at this point and you know that you're gonna do this at that point, those are already done. So, you know, get over it and do the, <laughs> make make those choices active and happen and then the things that you can control the things that you even want to if you want to delve in more are you're all humans so how are you connecting with the piece i think a lot of the things especially you know for running late to rehearsal and oh okay i need to listen to it on repeat a million times in the car um, i didn't memorize my text oh no that's all stuff that you guys can do easily because if you can memorize a phone number, you can probably memorize text. Um, that's not something that is different for any human, really. Memorize it, you're done. Um, but how are you connecting with the melody? How are you connecting with the text? And then from there, you'll also start thinking about it in a different way. That's the work that we did in, in, um, in Come to My Garden, which was this idea of getting getting rid of all these kind of micro details, checking that I've done the homework that I should have already done and moving on to something that is more specific and more global at the same time. So one active command to give to give me uh, whatever information I need, because that's how I feel about the music. And when you connect with that, that's also then that that's the that's what you're giving as well to the audience is that you're you're connecting with it. And again, it's just that that's also how you develop generosity on stage. Just by doing the rhythm and the melody and the text, that's fine, but that's also not enough because you guys are all humans. You are the only person with your voice. You're the only person with your perspective. And if you're not sharing that, then, well, that's just selfish. So you gotta gotta connect with that. And then if all else fails, your MD 
is probably giving you all the information you need. They're probably making wild gestures and crazy facial expressions. So just mirror them. If you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, mirror them. They're already making a ton of choices for you. So just hook into that and and uh, and and go for it. That's another nice little cheat, especially if you're feeling a little underprepared or especially or if you don't connect at all with the piece that you're doing, which also happens sometimes. Yeah. So I I would agree that um, connecting into the MD is vitally important. So you can do your memorizing of you know your lyrics and that sort of thing, and then it just gives you the freedom to really connect with the MD. And it's amazing how um, that connection works sometimes you could be basically singing along and connecting with the piece and then suddenly there's been a slight change in what we're trying to do with the conduction and everyone is following the MD bit Lauren bit Ben and it just it's all together and you suddenly sit there and go oh wow I really was massively connected we we, we sort of went a tiny bit off piece but it was fantastic and we did, we did a good job with it so yeah I think being generous again coming up there and uh, mm. not being not being selfish I think that's probably the biggest thing yeah, absolutely. But I think it's the, the important thing is it's like when when you're making music, it is a human activity. So connect with the people that are around you, connect with the music and connect with your MD, because that's also why you guys are there. It's not to execute perfectly a musical score. That's not the goal, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I love exactly. that. I always, exactly. I always tell people when they're worried about performing for the first time or just in general, I'm like, well, you know more than you think you do those around you know a lot as well. So lean on each other, but also your MD is probably mouthing the words at you and telling you exactly what to do. So just trust the MD. And mm -hmm. yeah, and that's that's the thing about performing. Like I never feel like I have stuff 100% memorized, but like I feel it in my body instead, right? And then yeah. interact with the MD and it's just, yeah, that's, you gotta, you have to trust the process. Like if you're working in a choir together, like- that's how you perform too. So yeah, trust each other, trust the MD, trust the process. And that's also, you know, the old adage practice make, makes perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. It's true. So, you know, but again, once the homework is done, let it be done and trust yeah. that it's there. That's, that's super important. And then, you know, if all else fails, you can just, I like to say watermelon your way through it. You don't know the words, just say the word watermelon, mouth the word watermelon. It'll look like you're saying or singing whatever you need to be singing. Hook into the melody and say watermelon. No one else will know the difference. Yeah. Because no one will know. <laughs> it's testament that you've clearly been teaching us quite well and we've been paying attention because I don't think you've actually used that in the workshops I've been in. So we're not having to rely on watermelons, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> so. <That> is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or rhubarb that Ollie taught, told us about rhubarb as a good word for that as well back in virtual rehearsals. I was like, rhubarb, yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. It does look like you're saying anything. Say it with conviction and, you mm -hmm. know, it'll work. Yep. <laughs> um, so a similar question um, about vocal technique. What are your top tips to improve and get more out of your singing, um, but also to look after your voice? Well, so I would say the best thing you can do is sleep, um, sleep and hydrate. Those are, you know, important. Um, I know for myself as a, as a mother and a soon to be mother to be again, uh, the sleep aspect is, uh, it's lacking a little bit. 
it's been like in these past few years. Um, but a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of water is helpful. Um, you know, just taking care of your, taking care of your body. But the thing that I work on, the thing that I teach all the time, the cornerstone of my pedagogy is the almighty checklist. So again, you want to focus on the things that you can control. So fix your gaze. What you looking at? Are your eyes darting around? Are you looking at your MD? You know, pick a point and look at it. That's already going to establish so much more balance. It'll calm you down. It'll make you feel in control because your your you know your gaze is really fixed. And then think about inhaling in rhythm. So that just means inhale right before the phrase. Try not to inhale after the phrase that you've already done but right before. And again, as a choir, you guys often breathe together and your MD is also breathing for you. So hook into that because they're, you're already getting that information. Um, but we always start with the inhale. Whatever you want to do, put it into the inhale. Um, you know, what vowel is it? What word is it? Think about it before and then do it and make sure that it's going to happen before you actually, uh, before you inhale. And then do something useful with your body. You know, you might want to move. You might want to, you might want to express yourself. You might not want to move. You might want to look into a mirror. Anything that you feel, anything that you feel is is helpful to you physically, will be helpful to you physically. Which sounds silly, but it's true. Um, and then just make a choice. There's no right or wrong. You're making a choice, and you know some of the choices are already made for you, uh, hopefully or not. Um, but not making choices and just kind of going along isn't an active participation. And that's also when we feel like we kind of spiral out of control or the vocal technique goes away is because we aren't in control because we don't know what we're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, how do you do it? And then how can you do it systematically? And that's kind of what technique is all about. So go through your checklist. The almighty checklist. I hope people have been taking notes, definitely. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I was taught in high school about, or even in middle school, I can't remember, um, inquire about um, how your whole body sings and like how it's all connected, uh, how you're standing, you know, you need analogies about trees and stuff, but yeah, like how you're standing, you need to plant yourself and um, breathing from the diaphragm. Like it's a whole body workout essentially. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing it right basically well <laughs> yeah I, I agree and I, I disagree I think that, mm -hmm. that since I've had so many years and years of, of voice lessons I've heard it all I've bounced yeah. up and down on Swiss balls I've hung from <laughs> I've hung from bars and doorways I've mm -hmm. had to sing in a lunge position in a plank position I've had to have people push me around while I'm singing to try and do something and I think that honestly a lot of that is because we want to elicit a spontaneous natural reaction mm -hmm. which as humans that's what we're doing but like our entire breathing mechanism is is a part of our limbic system so every single time that you inhale your diaphragm contracts every single time that you exhale your diaphragm releases and what actual support is is the engagement of your diaphragm uh, and so that means that every single time you inhale you have support and every time you exhale you no longer have support so Again, focusing on I'm inhaling and making sure that that is something that is important uh, will obviously just already cement and anchor your body in every way that you need possible. You know, if we're talking about, oh, you need to have the same, you know, the, the wonderful singer's posture. I don't even know what that means, because if you're on stage, you might be running around, you might be in a choir, you're, you might be having a specific movement that doesn't feel natural to you. But 
again, if you fix your gaze, if you have something that's giving you balance with your, with your eyes, it will automatically cement you into whatever you need to do because it just gives you focus and balance. And that that's kind of what it is. So, yeah. um, but we can go into, into a whole, a whole bunch of technique stuff, but you know, maybe another time. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure. That would be amazing. <laughs> I like the idea of people pushing you around and Swiss balls and hanging off and stuff. That sounds like quite an intense, intense. session. Hopefully that was in different <laughs> sessions. It wasn't the same one. It was like a. You'd be surprised. I mean, I don't even, <laughs> and then, the, but I think the thing which I also try and give to my students is, you know, why, why am I asking you to do this? You know, why are you coming in and taking this voice lesson? What skills are you hoping to acquire? Because technique is just that it's a mastery of a skill, but the, the difficult thing with singing is that you can't, see what you're doing and then the the muscles and things that we're asking you to control your diaphragm your epiglottis your vocal folds your larynx all the tendons surrounding your vocal organ your pharynx you can't see them and also a lot of times you can't feel them or even know that you have any sort of control of them so that's something that is like you're trying to link together a physiological and a psychological space together a lot of times one of which we can't feel and one of which doesn't exist so for a singing and, and accruing technique it's all about basically figuring out this kind of imaginary space and and then you know dedicating some sort of academic vocabulary in order to help yourself get through it like cooking i see two white powders there's Hmm, this one tastes like this. And this one tastes like that. I'm going to call it sugar and salt. And then you go, and then you go, go forth and, and cook. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you use the right one. Definitely. You can see yeah, those brownies, those brownies <laughs> yeah. are going to be a disaster otherwise, but yeah, it's, it's very true because it is so hard um, to connect up that feeling uh, with large tracts of yourself that you can't physically see or even necessarily feel especially if you're not doing it um, all the time and it's like you're tapping into it maybe you know once or twice a week um through choir rehearsals and then coming to a workshop um i think knowing knowing your instrument is quite important obviously with that so and then just applying yourself and i suppose for me i don't want to do a, a crazy segue here but i guess we have Disney in September again, uh, which is very exciting. Um, what can we be expecting from uh, that particular trip coming up, Lauren? Are we going to be pushed around by you on Swiss balls or uh, are we going to be like exploring our vocal folds? Uh, what, what do you have in store for us? Well, I am very, very excited to tell you guys that I am ending my maternity leave early just so I can be there with you guys oh my god I'm so happy <laughs> so that is, I, that is ridiculous to hear well, uh, that's very very I mean, generous again so generous. That, that's that is how much you guys mean to me is that I am I'm cutting short my maternity leave so I can be there because I need to you, clip this audio that last bit just clip it and just go <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but no, but it's true. I mean, I, I, you know, last time I, I was talking with, with Sue, who is, um, I, I know you guys know who Sue is. She's our incredible Disney performing arts guru, queen of life at Disney. Uh, we are speaking and, with her very soon on here, oh, actually, which is exciting. She is incredible. I love her. Mm. Um, and so she and I were, we were talking and yeah, I was also talking with Charlie. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to legally be able to be there or physically be able to be there. Um, but it's all worked out. So I'm, cutting cutting it short and baby's gonna have to deal so I can come and play with you guys at Disney uh, in the end of September and I can't wait. Um, so if it is your first or fourth or 
you know, time coming to Disney, uh, the thing I think that you guys can most look forward to is the fact that you get a full-fledged experience as a Disney performing artist. Uh, that the, that's the real key thing that we want to have uh, for you guys is you guys, you know, some of you have already come for performance, but maybe not for the workshop aspect of it. And that's kind of the different thing that we'll be doing in September is that you guys are going to have an experience where you guys will be backstage rehearsing, uh, creating, uh, making sure that we're all connecting together to bring about the performance uh, on, on stage at Disney, where you will be held to your to the highest of Disney standards. Um, and so from the rehearsal to the stage, that's kind of what we're what we're gonna be going for. I can't guarantee the Swiss balls. We'll see. We'll see how that goes, but you know, maybe. Okay. We'll just we'll just do we'll put in a request or something like that. Yeah, absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was lucky enough to be there in uh, in March and um we're obviously trying to keep a little bit of mystique around what's involved for those who haven't been before. But I think it's just great to have that real Disney performer experience and I've got into trouble with Katie actually about this because I haven't been on that many rides at Disney because I've sort of been focusing more on the whole being backstage being I mean, on, as on you stage. should yeah exactly <laughs> so that, that's that's what my main focus is for the trip but it is great to be there and enjoy the full uh, sort of park experience but yeah I can't wait wait to uh, sort of get working with you again in September it's going to be a lot of fun and the fact that you're going to be there is even more exciting yeah, I think the fun thing every time we have groups that come in at Disney or any time I've worked there, I think that like coming to Disneyland and going in the park and playing in the park is obviously so much fun. And that's a large part of the magic. But I think what's even cooler and more exciting is when you get to create magic for other people. And so Completely. when you guys are coming in as performing artists, even, you know, for Let's Sing Christmas, which is, it's pretty quick. We know we have the workshop in the morning and then we have the performance and that's, it's a, it's a pretty hectic um, and intense schedule. And it's not quite the same for this, which I feel like you actually get to be an active participant in creating the magic and then also performing that magic for whomever is there at the park that day. And that responsibility is something that any any guest, any artist uh, that has worked at Disney can 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 say that it's super rewarding and exciting because you get to, you know, bring about that magic that we've all experienced and loved since we've been kids. Yeah, that is a. I've never been able to articulate it properly, but you just did. Um, so yeah, it's creating the magic yourself for other people, like. It goes back to generosity again, right? So you're, mm -hmm. you're you're creating those moments for other people. It's just amazing thing to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, could I circle back to something? Um, Absolutely. So we um, had Mental Health Awareness Week uh, recently. Last week was that last week? Yes. What is time? Um, Inquire, and we marked the occasion by you know sharing memories and about the different friendships and how much choir means to us, et cetera. Um, and something you said about the uh, Olympic system just then, um, I'm connecting it to science now, it's weird, but I mean, a lot of mindfulness comes, it, well, it just comes down to the breath, right? Um, mm -hmm. And focusing in on that one thing and singing is, is that. Um, so yeah, I mean, singing is so good for your mental health in general, but like that's, yeah, it's just the science of it. That's why, that's part of it, right? Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to 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 link that together because. And you yeah. wonder why 
singing in choir makes you feel it's better. so good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, it that's... gives you that it, mindfulness and you're, you're soothing your soul system by having that breathing going. Yeah. Singing is awesome. Music therapy is a, is a huge part of a lot of, of a lot of current, um, you know, physical therapies and, and, um, and, and, you know, and mental health therapies as well. And I do a lot of research on neuroplasticity and I bring a lot of that into the classroom with me. Um, and a lot of, a lot, if you're interested, there's a great book called the brain that changes itself by Dr. Norman Doidge. And it is a, it's a great read. It doesn't have anything necessarily specific with music. I think there are a few things that have to do with music, but, um, people that undergo overwhelming traumatic experiences physically or psychologically often, uh, work with neuroplasticity. And a lot of that comes back with how we relearn and how we connect. And a lot of it can happen through music. Um, so it's something that is, is very exciting. And, uh, if you're interested, you can take a little look into that. I I'm going to thank you for that <laughs> book recommendation. That's very cool. Um, yeah. Cause it's also something we talk a lot uh, at, um, about at work and there's a lot of engineers and people who believe in the science and none of the other stuff. Um, so neuroplasticity comes up a lot as well about yeah, wow. creating those new pathways, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, so cool. Singing is awesome. Anyway, I just wanted to make the connection because, um, I loved how all of the members, um, really got behind the mental health awareness week activities that we had last week. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> um, okay. So I think we're ready for the quick fire question round. And dun, 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 dun. Yep, and we so have fun. not told you what these questions are going to be. So we're we just didn't tell for... her what the questions were before either. I, of course not. Never mind. Yeah, we'll, re- we'll remove the veil. Yeah, there was a couple of structured <laughs> yeah. questions, but this is this is all brand new. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we just want lightning fast gut reactions to these. Um, I hope but what make... you wish for. Uh, no, I know, I know, <laughs> but hopefully we haven't made them too hard. Uh, so question number one, uh, we always think of you as a real life Disney princess. So we have to ask which one is your favorite? Ariel. Hello. I can't believe you guys don't know that. She's my favorite. I uh, love I can, her so I much. Yeah. So I used to call myself big Ariel sister. <laughs> like I knew that I couldn't be Ariel because I'm a brunette and she's redhead, obviously. Um, but I did used to wear a swimsuit underneath my clothing and carry a dingle hopper with me everywhere. And also almost got myself drowned in a swimming pool in Canada because I thought that I could sing underwater. Yeah, Guess what? Good. Spoiler, no. you can't. And then I got banned from the pool. So then I couldn't <laughs> practice all of my, my, I couldn't flip my fins in the pool. That's... But that's okay. Yeah. Is this why you've gone down such a scientific approach to singing and breathing and that sort of thing? It's, it's obviously a childhood trauma of, you know, trying to sing underwater. I still try every single time. And yes, <laughs> I, my, my daughter has so much aerial paraphernalia. It's actually mine, but I'm now telling people it's my daughter's so people don't think I'm weird. Not Good. weird at all. <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> Easy question. A Good choice, Ollie. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So the second question is now this ties into the fact that you have just finished off a small set of shows around Sondheim. Um, What is your favorite Sondheim musical? Oh, no, that's too hard. Okay. You can say more than one. (laughs) You can have more than one. There's a common theme on this podcast so far. 
that's, uh, that's too, uh, that's too hard. I don't even know how you could even begin. Um, Scrub the question. I was, I mean, well, okay. I don't, I can't, I can't answer that mostly because I feel like there are, uh, Sondheim is so much about atmosphere and mood. Uh, and then he also has things that are written, uh, you know, some pieces musically, like the musical style. It's like maybe the musical style that I love most would either be company or anyone can whistle, but then in so far as like atmosphere, like what can you do with, without Sunday, uh, or without, um, uh, without a little night music? you know so that's but then you also have follies which has so many great hits in it i don't know i can't answer that question that's too hard that's fine okay that's the perfect we, we, answer though honestly yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why we did our own review of it and we had a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff yeah, yeah. will you be doing that review again at some point in paris because i know we have some uh, french listeners uh, in the choir and they might have family who want to go and and uh, and see this or we could take the Eurostar across and come watch there you go yeah I love it yeah um definitely I think we'll we'll definitely be doing it again probably not until 2023 I would assume just because getting through the fall is going to be getting through the fall (laughs) yep Awesome. But I think we've covered that Sondheim question as, as well as we could so Katie pick pick up the pieces okay that's a whole other podcast I mean yeah. we'll come back to you on that one too um so for the final one if you could time travel which original cast opening night show would you go back in time for um broadway or west end south pacific good choice there you go that was easy too so also, quick, yeah. probably one of my very favorite uh musical theater pieces ever gorgeous best overture and also, I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. I used to do happy talk with my brother um, by the edge of Lake Washington. And Amazing. my daughter could also sing happy talk with the hand gestures. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Yeah, I love it. It's a shame this is an audio podcast because that was that was I enjoyed the, um, yeah, the, the finger work there. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. So good choice, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been yeah. an absolute joy uh, doing mm-hmm. this. So, um, and thank you for potentially tabling yourself for another uh, episode at some point about Sondheim. Uh, or, or neuroplasticity. Or vocal technique as well, yeah. <laughs> so. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I can't wait to see you guys in September and um, have a lovely rest of your spring summer session. Thank you very much. It's been fabulous. A real honor Yay. and pleasure. <laughs> so this month we asked you guys who your favorite disney princesses are um my favorite disney princess is rapunzel from tangled she (laughs) (laughs) um if you'd asked me prior to tangled i probably would have said ariel and maybe cinderella um but Mm -hmm. yeah now it's it's firmly rapunzel she is so efficient. She gets literally every chore under the sun done. Um, poor before project planning. I, I know, poor project planning, but super efficient. Um, before 7.15 in the morning. And um, I don't even 
wake up for 7.15 in the morning. So um, I aspire to be her, not just for her organizational skills, because I just love that she is so genuine and caring and um, enables others around her. And yeah, she's just funny, like frying pans. Very selfless as well. Yeah, incredibly selfless. And I mean, I am her, she is me when she nearly touches down and not quite um, on the grass for the first time. And she just has a total meltdown and it's just so endearing and hilarious. Um, and I mean, we already talked about this with uh, Katie Lou and Vicky, but like Mandy Moore, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I can see the light is just beautiful. It's just stunning. It's a stunning song. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Oh my God. So yes, Rapunzel for me. Ollie, how about you? Who's your favorite Disney princess? Um, you put a very good case for it being Rapunzel. Uh, I, 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 I absolutely love Tangled. We've, we've spoken mm-hmm. about that already. But um, yeah, I think she's fantastic. But I can't help but go with the red hob, redhead option and uh, Ariel. And I think she was my first Disney princess. And I think I already referenced it, but um, part of your world is... Um, just the best a very special song yeah for me and lots of people and i hope we do do it in choir as there was a shout out for that in the questions and uh, yeah no she's just great because she's so full of hope and wonderment and i think i'm gonna keep it simple and just say that i i, I would love to be her with uh, just that beautiful vocal um mm-hmm. but beautiful emo- emotive vocal you know as lauren was saying singing doesn't have to be pretty as it were but my goodness Jodie Benson does a good job of emoting and storytelling and also making it darn pretty as well yeah it's just that song is ingrained in 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 me it is that is how I want to sing that is what good Mm. singing is to me um Ariel definitely has changed my view on on singing when I was little. So yeah, it's just amazing. Formative stuff. It is. Yeah. So those are great choices by us, even Mm -hmm. if I do say so myself. Um, Damn fine. Yeah. But let's see what you guys have to say about it. I was going to say, we we have to move on to what you actually said, because we had lots and lots and lots of answers, which is really nice. So we keep getting more, yeah, we keep getting more responses to the questions on Instagram. So I appreciate that enormously. How do we start with this in terms of the fact that there's like an official list of Disney princesses, isn't there? There is an official list, um, but we do not stand for officialness. (laughs) So we're very pleased to see some unofficial answers on there as well. And honestly, everybody's a Disney princess as far as I'm concerned. So um, yeah, let's, let's take a look. Ollie, what, what struck you about the responses? Um, I think just sticking with what we've just done, uh, we've got quite a few for Ariel, mm-hmm. um, which is great to see. Uh, also, Rapunzel comes up as well. So we're clearly thinking the same as people in, in, <laughs> yep. the, in, the, uh, in the proverbial room. Um, Belle, seeing as we've been doing um, Beating the Beast, yep. she comes up quite a few times. I love Belle too. Tiana from The Princess mm. and the Frog has come up numerous times. And... I think we discussed that earlier on with Vicky and Katie Lou. Just yep. such a, although, you know, Disney princess uh, by um, taxonomy, as it were, she is just a go-getter and uh, down to earth and 
realistic and yep. driven. So yep, and we I have uh, Tiana because she is a career woman as one of the yes. answers. And yeah, yeah exactly. so that's awesome and not at all your typical Disney princess. So that's very cool to to see the more modern day ones um, being mm. better a better representation of of women in general. On that note, um, mm-hmm. the as someone I spoke to earlier just said, um, it was you, Katie. I don't know why I'm trying me. to put some sort of like, mystique <laughs> here. Um, the the <laughs> the OG Disney princess, mm. Snow White, shockingly Missing. did not appear. I mean, no. maybe I... that says a larger societal uh, development from the Wemmick audience that um, she's not actually that aspirational anymore compared no. to her sort of early 1920s 30s uh stylings yeah yeah because i mean instead we have tiana and yeah. uh, rapunzel and yeah. people like that who are a little bit more uh let's say can do maybe and a little bit more about actually fulfillment within themselves who knows more substance i mean yes, sorry snow that's white the word. Yeah, you are the sorry. fairest of them all um, and pure and wonderful and innocent and and caring. I mean, you look after seven incredibly weird men, like yeah, with weird hell? names. Uh, but there's not a lot of substance to you. Mm. Wow. And yeah, I know. I said it. Oh my god. Throwing, throwing. <laughs> She's sorry, chosen violence, Disney. everyone. <laughs> She's chosen violence, and we're all here for it. Um, talking about violence, uh, Mulan uh, appears uh, yes. a couple of times, and yeah, that's uh, you know, I thought that was a half decent segue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's definitely um, a good choice as well. Like, I, I do like um, Mulan's journey through that film. I've yeah, not, cool. still not seen the live action one, but I um, no, me neither, actually. Live action one's interesting. I think mm. that could be a whole a whole podcast debate in and of itself. <laughs> I think so. And I don't think I have the time or energy no, to do that right not now. Tonight. So let's, no. <laughs> let's keep looking at other people. Pocahontas, a few people have brought up Pocahontas. I think Pocahontas has the best songs. Yeah. And I'm going to he- go ahead and say that I know the answer uh, to this from you, Katie, because we've spoken about it separately or previously. Um, just Around the River Bend for me is, oh is, is the song. It's just stunning. I, I live yeah. by the river in London and it's sort of around Greenwich and, and the Isle of Dogs. You walk around singing a, it to yourself all the time? That I do. Amazing. I'm I would gonna, too. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> I literally do that. Yeah, it's uh, sort of, as you said, anyone can be a Disney princess. So I'm going to go ahead and be mm-hmm. Pocahontas in that respect. Yep. yep. <laughs> this, is, this, is re- this is revelatory. Okay. Um, Jasmine, Princess Jasmine is there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love her. But only once or twice she's yeah not, uh, she i wonder why resonate quite as much hmm. i don't know um i mean leah salonga is the vocals uh for uh for, for jasmine so i i'm shocked Ugh. that yeah it doesn't come up more um lovely Lasonga. Mm-hmm. uh i know a few of you out there do too now then we initially thought this one wasn't on the list but on closer scrutiny she is but only once princess elsa Mm, yeah yeah but apparently not on the official disney princess list neither Anna. that's right i mean you may, yeah oh. and, and anna isn't even on our list which I is know. a shame but considering how much everybody loves frozen i'm i was perplexed perplexed by this good way but uh yeah thanks <laughs> um but 
I think Tangled is better than Frozen. Anyway, I've also said that before. Let's move swiftly on because them spiking words. <laughs> yeah, they are certainly quite the words. Um, <laughs> Cinderella does does appear from the from the uh, older um, mm-hmm. older films, as does Aurora. Yeah. So it's just Snow White. No one's loving Snow White. Uh, people instead will want Marie from Aristocats. Yes, she's definitely and, not a princess by Nala. by the book. Yeah, and Nala from Lion King. Excellent feline connection. Well done. Yes, thank you. Um, totally agree though. They're 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 wicked. I love them. Yeah. So 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 good. Um, and those are like the cool answers. So thank you guys. I mean, all these answers are really cool, but it was just a pleasant surprise to see them listed. So thank you. It's also. It's also no surprise um, that the Disney connoisseur that is Vicky uh, mentioned a princess, an actual official Disney princess who's not on our list at all. And that is Merida from Brave. Interestingly, Merida is the only princess on the list who does not sing. Um, And she's Pixar. Mm. I mean, the Disney list went rogue, but I love it. Merida's just... I mean, it's in the title, just nice brave and inclusive and, anyway. And fiery and yeah, yay. And I would also point out that she never stood a chance really in this list because she doesn't sing. So there's obviously yeah. a, yes. a deep singing connection with the choir. I wonder um, why. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so um, but then we have one who's missing, uh, which did surprise me considering the popularity and also the fact that we are doing a song from that mm. particular film mm-hmm. right now. And that is Moana. We all missed shocked. Moana out. Like what? Shocked. <laughs> out- outraged. Yep. Um, she's a, she's a badass. I like, I like Moana a lot. Yeah. Um, Another really wicked song too. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. these princesses have good songs. And it, actually there's a whole genre, isn't there? We were talking yes. about this with uh, with Ben in our first episode of this year about the I want song. Yep. And I think we should really explore that because it's such a theme in in Disney of the, the, the princess or the protagonist sort of doing their what they want and desire and setting up that story structure. So yep. yes, stay tuned for that. that. Yes. <laughs> we will talk about that in more depth later in the season. Um, Maybe, yeah, with someone yeah. who actually knows what they're talking about rather than yes. themselves or professing to suggest that I do. Because um, <laughs> who, who needs that on a podcast? We've got plenty of podcasts that do that anyway. Um, I think that's the majority of them, but we do have one submission which was. A little longer than others yes but i think the message is important and i think katie you're going to read it out yes um this this could so instagram questions you just get the little tiles right so we're not quite sure which order this goes in so i've chosen an order Strong. let's go with well it done. me in this essay i will lay out the arguments and personal journey to support this view only joking it's rapunzel i.e me it was bell i.e also me until Rapunzel came along. However, Max the horse deserves to be a Disney princess. Also the raccoon in Pocahontas and me. So- Thank you. I mean- Thank you, that was a beautiful reading. Well, wait, yeah, thanks. Um, thank you for whoever submitted it because that made my day. Um, and yes, that takes us back to where we started. Um, and anybody and everybody's a Disney princess. If that's what you wanna be, then you are. So, and I think we all are. So, including a horse, a raccoon, and me, which is exciting. So, Katie, you, by, you know, 
by extension, that must mean that you're a Disney princess as well. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Good. That's that's the selection criteria we want. Yep. Everybody. Everybody. It's a very. I feel, despite the official list, it's a it's in a very inclusive um, thing in general. So yes, absolutely. We're all, we're all Disney princesses. Although um, we've spoken about this official list, I think there's an excellent film available on Disney Plus. Other streaming services are available, but you won't be able to watch it unless it's on there. Um, is <laughs> Ralph Wrecks the Internet, which is a great film. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a very, very, very funny scene uh, where Vanellope um, walks in, uh, basically into the back end of a Choose Your Disney Princess uh, app. And uh, all the princesses are there and a couple of unofficial ones. So you can just sit there and select who are technically the official ones or not. But it's a very funny scene. I remember laughing at it quite a lot. So maybe <laughs> so if you have not seen it before, do so. Check it out. So thank you, everybody. That is our thoughts as a choir on Disney princesses. Now I'm just thinking about the debate around Disney princes, but again, so much content that we can talk about from the, from Disney in general. So there will be more coming soon. <laughs> Absolutely. What an absolute pleasure this episode has been. It has just been incredibly joyous speaking to all three of our ladies who came to talk to us. Uh, so without further ado I think we call it a day Ollie anything you'd like to add before we run the theme tune at the end yes uh okay it's basically the end of term coming upon us and we have a couple of performances we've got the Hampton Court RHS show which is exciting and it'd be lovely to go back there and perform in such a historic setting especially as the sits girls will have been there or the sits queens uh, will have been there um, just recently so that's quite exciting Uh, and then the very next day we are at the London 10k ASICS um, running event which should be good fun as well and if you haven't signed up for that please do yeah the running Uh, events are brilliant because you just get so comfortable with the material and it's just so much fun yeah, it's going to be good to have some performances coming up. There might be more in the summer, but more importantly, there will be more podcast episodes. So stay tuned. We've got some very exciting ones already recorded and others scheduled. So even when we have our summer break, you will still have podcasts to listen to. Monthly dose of Wemmick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Just for your summer listening. Excellent. We'll see you again very soon. And that's a wrap. Uh, We really hope that you enjoyed uh, this extra large Disney episode over two parts. Um, I think you'll agree that it was a great conversation with Vicky and Katie Lee. And then uh, Lauren, well, uh, you could tell that Katie and I were having a wonderful time with her. She's incredibly eloquent and just a wonderful communicator, um, both in terms of being in a workshop or being on a podcast. So hopefully we'll have her back at some point. But yes, thanks again for listening. We really hope you enjoy it. And yeah, we'll have a new episode out for you by the end of the month. Thank you.